You'll have to forgive me for this intro. I'm suffering from uh, a cold at the moment. My nose is all bunged up, but I wanted to get this episode out. Uh, I should have got it out in December, so it's already late. So I have no more excuses, or I'm not going to make any more excuses. I had made it a soft rule in the beginning of this podcast that I only wanted people from Hong Kong to be on the podcast. Seems like a sensible rule. This podcast is, after all, about Hong Kong. But then, when I was travelling in 2017, and I had met interesting people along the way, I thought, what better place to put them but on the podcast? Because it's me who will say hello from Hong Kong in that context, if I'm travelling. But then, if you're listening to natives who live here, then they're saying hello to you with this podcast. So the theme fits all the same within the title to this show. In this episode, I have two guests who, over the last nearly four years have been watching my live streams about Hong Kong on Periscope. I have many long-time viewers watching who have a relationship with the city of Hong Kong in one way or another. Some of them have visited or lived here. Some of them have relatives or are of Chinese descent and just interested in the city. Either way, they all tune in to watch the Periscopes or download this podcast. But in this episode, I sit down with Victoria and Jay, two Americans who are living here and working here before I was even born. And for context, I was born in 1980. Fate allowed them to meet here, fall in love, get married, and in the process, anchor themselves to this space for the rest of their lives. Their happiest memories are from here, of course. I recorded this conversation with them on the penultimate day of a six-week holiday in their grungy Airbnb to hear them talk together about how they met, the disappearance of Jay's car, what was it like to drive here, how has the city changed, what did they think of the city today, of course, I throw in an odd movie reference or two. It was a pleasure to chat with Jay and Victoria, as it is always one-sided with people watching and knowing about my relationship with the city through Periscope. Today it's their turn, with themselves presenting, giving us something about Hong Kong in the process. So of course, how could I not have them on the podcast also? Thanks for listening. Hope you enjoy it. Since you are both Texans... We are living. now. Oh, you're okay. And... Before we get into the questions, we want to talk about this CD apartment that appears to be CD upstairs. I took a photo of it, and uh, I'll let Vicky and Jay explain it because it seems very mysterious for them. This is the uh, this is the place. We just told Jonathan that every time we get in the lift in this building, it's us and a bunch of guys. Probably four guys will fit in, and they always go to the twelfth floor. Always. Once they get on the twelfth floor, the el- the lift goes down, and I think people get off. And when we leave the building, we're on the seventh floor. When we leave the building, they get off at random floors too. Pretty floor three is pretty popular, but there's a lot of little Christmas lights, mostly pink lights, around all the doors and all these rooms. So we think some activities Look, going on. Seeing it in the camera like this. Um, you have to excuse me, but it looks very vagi- uh, vaginal. It does, doesn't it? Sort of emotes, maybe. It what's does. going on? <laughs> that's that's a wall between rooms. Well, <laughs> or, or tonsils. Well, 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 yeah, tonsils. Very long tonsil. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> I don't know. Um, yeah, you're, this is their this is their Airbnb. This is where they've been staying. She asked, did we go up to investigate by accident, but I'll, not to investigate? <laughs> I'll lose a bit of signal if, if we go up there, but here's the, uh, can we do a 360? Yeah. Okay, so we're going to do a 360. Well, kind of, but not only one rotation. This is it's our little room. 
<laughs> this is where they've been kipping for for the past six weeks. And Vicky and JL, actually long-time Periscope viewers, if you're new, of my channel and various other channels in Hong Kong, because they have they have a relationship with Hong Kong, and I wanted to sort of uh, share that and talk about it with you guys. So I have a list of questions, and obviously the first one is, where are you from, and why did you both come to Hong Kong? I grew up in California. I, for some reason, always wanted to travel, and I wanted to live overseas. I went to university, I graduated, and my goal was to work overseas. And so I was looking for jobs. I was a super secretary, is what I was. What's a super secretary? Super secretary. I had excellent skills, is what that means. Okay. Highly, highly, you know, skilled. And... You flex, but okay. Yeah. <laughs> when I was looking for opportunities overseas, the first thing that came up was the CIA. I wasn't interested in the CIA. I like to talk too much, I think. And so it's like, what, what else is there? And so I heard about the State Department, and I went to Washington, D.C., and I went to the State Department, and I got a job. They hired me on the spot. I had never had a full-time job before. They said, you have to work a year before you can go overseas, my goal. So they put me in an assignments office, and then it came up time for an assignment, and basically the world was mine. I could go anywhere in the world. I worked in the assignments office, and so anyway, I started reading information. They have called a post report on all the overseas locations for embassies and consulates and that. And um, my roommate in D.C. had parents that were traveling, and one day in the mailbox was a great big picture postcard from Hong Kong, and I said, ooh, Hong Kong, so I started reading about it, and I asked to be sent to Hong Kong. Because you're so super. <laughs> well, actually, they said no, because this was during the Vietnam War, and Hong Kong was reserved, the, the general female spots were reserved, for women whose husbands were serving in Saigon. And so they had assigned somebody to the position. A couple of weeks later, that person, you know, changed her mind and it left a vacancy. So that's how I got here. Okay. The State Department, I worked here at the American Consulate. Jay, same question. How did you arrive in these? I was, I was in the Navy and uh, I was coming up on the end of my first enlistment and I knew I wasn't ready to get out and go back to school to study. So I started looking around, where could I go and have the Navy send me so I could have fun? And I considered Subic Bay, Philippines at the time, and Hong Kong, Singapore, and a couple others. And after visiting here on a port visit, I decided that this was where I wanted to uh, try to get. And so when I put in the paperwork to, to come here, they said, well, you have to write down three choices. Well, I said, good, write down Hong Kong three times or I'm going to get out. <laughs> well, it came back approved, and uh, so I, I came here, and I got here about six months before Vicky left, and uh, we sort of met in passing in that six-month overlap. Yeah. When you say you wanted, uh, what ship was you stationed on? 
I was on three. Di I was on three different destroyers. Yeah, here you weren't on a ship. Oh, I was assigned here. I was assigned to the China Fleet Club that was run by their British military enlisted at the time. Okay, and when you say you, can, you wanted to have some fun, what did you mean by that? I wanted How old are you at the time, by the way? Well, I was twenty. I was twenty-four. I wanted to be. For me, the name it was opportunity because. I was no watches, no military duty. I could live on the economy, and I was able to ship my car over here because I love to drive. And so for me, it was almost like a civilian job. So it was like so that was the attraction for of, me. What kind of car did you have? I had a Bossy Fifty One Mustang, a hot rod. I have no <laughs> idea what that means. It, it was it was it was a hot rod. It was yeah. <laughs> okay. Was that expensive to ship? No, the Navy sent it over for free. Yeah. So it was, and uh, I was fortunate that uh, I was able to find an insurance company that would insure it and not be, you know, out of the United States over here at an American insurance company. And uh, so they did, and so I said thank you, and I shipped it. Took it to the port and they sent it over and I got it here about four or five weeks after I arrived. Huh. And what, where is that car now? Sadly, it, I no longer have it. <laughs> but uh, not for... Anyway, so that's another long that's, story. It's, it's my fault. <laughs> oh, okay. No, it's not. It's, 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 it's a long... Room now. It's, it. No, it's, it's a long story. It was... Uh, I did not know if you know okay. any about cars, but anyway, it, it was a mistake that I, inexperienced, I mistakenly traded it away. Oh, okay. <laughs> and how did you two meet? We were both on a bowling league, Tenpin Bowling League here, and um, it was called an interconsulate league, so there were people from the consulates all over the world here in Hong Kong. So we, we bowled with a lot of Filipinas and I had some Belgian friends and some German friends and a lot of friends. And um, so we were on different bowling teams, but we met at their Christmas party. Didn't you say when we first met that you were just about to leave, so you might not have met Jay? Right. Right? Yeah, I was six weeks from leaving when we met at that Christmas party. Right. But you weren't, you weren't here to find anybody, were you? Personally? No, I was here for fun. And he says, fun. And he says, well, why don't you stay now that we met and we'd hit it off? And it's like, no, not going to do that. I have orders to take me to Europe. So I went to Vienna, Austria. So I, I was gone for about 15 months until I came back. Okay. And what did you get up to uh, during the 1970s in Hong Kong? Like, what was there to do? Obviously, Jay had the car. So I guess you went sightseeing. No. 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 She no. she had a she bought a motorcycle. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't tell you that. I don't think. Yeah, I no, had a, I had a motorcycle. Okay. <laughs> it was a small one, but um, I learned how to drive it here. I had a girlfriend that had one, and we would we would cruise all over. This is before I met Jay. We would just travel around the island and. You in the plural or you in the singular? No, me and my friend Janet. We right. each had our own little motorcycles. And it wasn't as crowded on the streets then. Yeah, you can't now. do that now. Really. You can't do it now. No. 
And so that's one of the changes we can talk about, I guess. Uh, the traffic, landscapes, like what did you see on motorcycles across Hong Kong? What we did mostly is visited the people that we worked with. And like we'd go to their house, they'd invite us out for a dinner or for a party or something. And, you know, we just. Actually, I think I was a little afraid to drive it. But with a friend, you can do anything. So that's what we did. We just went exploring wherever we could go. We would go. I'm really, I'm really uh, interested in this. So a lot to the south side, a lot to Repulse Bay. Oh, okay. One of our bosses lived on uh, Repulse Bay Road, right with the view overlooking Deepwater Bay. Went to his house several times, I remember that. And um, Shoson Hill down there, we had friends that lived down there and just. I want to I pick apart this conflict, this potential conflict with hot rods and motorcycles. <laughs> <laughs> There's like a side story there, without getting too deep into it. But I mean, I mean, if I had a car in Hong Kong, I would just evacuate to the new territories on the weekends. Yes, it's, I did. It's, yeah, he did. It's it's always been my belief that you don't need a car here. That a car here is a waste of time and money. We paid as much once we were married to rent a space in a carport, car park for his car as we did for our rent. Rent, car park, the same. So that illustrates how expensive it is here, but it's actually not a lot of car parks are more expensive than apartments. Mm -hmm. yeah. ours, ours, ours wasn't, car park's still there. Um, but it was hard as newlywed gals going, really, half of our income goes to pay to park your car. Right, right. so now you're married now, at uh -huh. this, this but, point in the story. But I had, the Navy gives you so much money, and so you have to spend it all because the next time they do an assessment for how much it costs to live there based on what your pay grade is, if you don't spend it, then the next time they'll reduce the amount of money that you receive. So he felt just compelled have, to spend. So as it happened, I had a relatively inexpensive place to live and I needed a place to park my car, so it was, it was, we just parked it next door and, uh, but after marrying Vicki, I learned how to use the public transportation system a lot more because it was the car or an occasional bus, mainly because I didn't know where they went and I could <laughs> take a car anytime, just get it and just go. I grew up in Southern California where the public transportation system was very poor like it is most places in California. And so the car is the way to get there. Right. So you're just naturally inclined to just keep the same habits. Yeah, yes. Almost all yeah. Americans are. Yeah, that's, that, that's one of the things that a lot of Americans realize when they come here. They're like, oh, public transport's really good. End up walking everywhere. You said that you've walked in this in the six weeks that Vicky and Jay have been here. You said you walked 170 miles. 170 miles. Yep. Yeah. Notice it's in it's in Imperial, not metric for you guys. Because that's how my <laughs> my phone is set up, right? <laughs> you both grew yeah. in SoCal. Someone in the chat is saying. I grew up in Sacramento, which is not Southern California, but that's where I grew up. He grew up in Southern California. So, and actually for a period of our lives, we were about an hour away 
from where when we were both living there just after high school. So but you never obviously oh, never met. No. You know when I when I was living here um, in the eighties, uh, only ten years prior to that arrival, uh, when I was a baby, I met when I worked at kindergarten. I met a mother who was the same age as me, and it was really interesting to speak to her because that street where I worked on, I would drive past that as a baby. And then I went to work on that same street. How funny. So there was like a loop, so uh -huh. to speak, after 30 uh -huh. years coming back. But because she was the same age, it always got to, not got to me, but it always interested me that we could have been brushing past each other in prams uh -huh. to identical ages. With your mum's there. Right. Yeah. 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 It's just funny? one of those strange occurrences in life. <laughs> and then, but then you two, obviously, you've met here instead. Yeah. Whereas we met 30 years later. Yeah. yeah. When I first... my parents, especially my grandparents, when they found out I was coming to Hong Kong, they thought I was going to come home with a Chinese wife. And so when I told them that I was engaged, I made sure that I told them that no, it was an American that worked at the American consulate. And even though they didn't say it, I could feel it, that there was relief that uh, I was marrying an an American and not a Chinese lady. <laughs> you've, you've just reminded me of uh, that Bruce Lee movie. Well, no, it's a, the autobiography of Bruce Lee where he's in California and her parents, Linda Lee's parents, are concerned, or her mother is concerned that she's going to date an Asian man and she had to keep it a secret. It's happening at the same time. Mm -hmm. and he's changing perceptions in, in California. Sort of a big deal. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> and you could have brought, you could have gone past his house or gone past him in the car? Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, quite, 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 quite easily. Yeah. We were here when Bruce, when Bruce Lee died, actually. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. What was that like? It was, it was really sad. I mean, like, I remember when President Kennedy died when I was a little kid. And it was the same kind of feeling. The world just got darker for a couple of days. I really felt it. Right. But what was, what was it, what else was it like on the streets of Hong Kong? Besides... Well, he I mean, he was an icon. He was a hero for them. Yeah. And he really, I mean, it was you everywhere that you went. You always heard Bruce Lee and Kung Fu. I mean, it was, yeah. it was really really out there. And then when he passed away, it was, it was big questions like how could this happen to somebody as foot fit and as good as he was. Yeah, a lot of questions. Mm. Which I still don't think have been answered, really. Right. Mm -hmm. That gets that that gets us onto the next question I have, which is about information. But I do I was told that when his last movie like was a massive hit, and everyone was like, "Oh, we've got to get him in more films," it took like a month or so to get that information of his death across America to like movie producers and things like that. And they were like, "Oh, he's dead. He made this movie, became massively famous, and then it was like, he's oh, gone. yeah, he's gone." And it's like, "Well, that's a shame." But yeah. Which, yeah. Uh, so the question was like, what was it like to share information? Like you said, you coming across a leaflet about Hong Kong, but today you can just find it in a hashtag. Today it's easy. Yeah, yeah it's super easy today. I used to read the um, South China Morning Post every morning, and that's how I knew what was going on in the world. Um, news didn't travel real fast, though. I remember one day at lunch break, I was walking from the consulate down to Central. And I saw one of the newspapers, a tabloid, with a picture of my former boss from Washington, D.C. on the cover. And I thought, why is he on the cover of the newspaper? 
he was the American ambassador in uh, the Sudan who had been murdered. That's how I learned. Even working at the consulate, went on lunch break and saw his picture in front of a newspaper. Hmm. So, how do you think you would have found out today? If you just suppose, browsing the news, it's a terrorist yeah. act. It would have been on any internet news yeah. service, yeah. wire service out there. Where before, it used to be what hard copy was handwritten letters. That's the way we communicated: handwritten letters and phone calls. Yeah, that That's was it. that was the way Vicky and I communicated when she was went to Vienna. Was uh, was letters and, and long-distance expensive phone calls. Expensive. <laughs> um, we've, we've skipped over the bit about marriage, so I want to go back to you saying that you met each other, but you still went to Venice. Vienna. Vienna, sorry. And then... The Deutsch, ab Deutsch. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> ja, that's good. That's <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, So you went to Vienna, but now you wanted to come back. Come back. Yeah, I went to Vienna. I had an assignment there for two years. Um, I learned that I could return to Hong Kong at the government expense after one year. Jay came to see me while I was there. We got engaged to travel around Europe a lot and went to Venice. Um, so you went back to Venice? So you went to Venice then? We yeah, went to Venice uh, okay. to visit. So anyway, after my one-year obligation, I resigned. I had to resign my position with the State Department returned to Hong Kong and we got married here <clears throat> and we lived here for 15 months yes. until the Navy decided that it was time for him to go. When I came back I could not get a job with the consulate again because I was not available for worldwide duty. You mean in SoCal? Uh, sorry, in California? No, here in Hong Kong. Oh, okay. So I had to look for a job. I worked at that time with the American Chamber of Commerce and that was great. It was. Um, establishing American business and American products more in Hong Kong. So that was a good experience. What, what brought you two together? You said you met at the bowling alley, but what was it about each other that, was, that convinced Some you Some kind of chemistry. Yeah. Getting to know the guy and it's like, you know what? He's got a life that seems sort of fun. The Navy, He's adventure. Yeah, hot rod, <laughs> but that didn't impress me. Sorry, but you know, no. <laughs> it just it the fit felt right, so it just felt good. So yeah, we just met at the Christmas party. We we knew each other. I had seen her, really hadn't met her, and uh, the night before there was a big party, Christmas party at the, what they call the Marine House, mm -hmm. and I was trying to say work my way across the room, and then the next thing I know, I ask one of the Marines, there, "Well, where's Vicky? Oh, she went home already." Why don't you go up and see her? No. Anyway, so I decided, I, anyway, the next night we happened, to, I guess she heard and uh, that I was looking to, to meet her and I rang the doorbell and she walked up and introduced herself to me and uh, before I even got in through the door and had a drink in my hand and and so we were we were together for the next three plus weeks every day that we weren't at work, we were together, and, and that's when I tried to talk her into staying, and she said, no, I'm going to Vienna. I said, okay. Mm -hmm. And so then, after that, was just communication long distance, and uh, the relationship developed, and, and uh, I did not have a passport when I first came to Hong Kong, so I had to get one, which I got, and then uh, 
I flew over to see her and then uh, as she said we traveled over Europe and, uh, and that was a great trip because I'd never been to Europe. I'd want, always wanted to, to visit there. I had my first car. My first car was a little BMW that in I... In Vienna. In Vienna. I'd never owned a car before but one of the other employees was leaving the embassy and sold me his little BMW. So we, I had this cute little BMW to travel around and, and what happens just that went everywhere. I tried to get her to send it back to the States, but she sold it. She was fortunate. She sold it for the same price she bought it for a year yeah, later, so she didn't lose any money. And uh, yeah, it was. It was a great car to travel all over Europe. And I don't have the car attachment that he has. <laughs> <laughs> so you knew going into the going into it that Vicky would be going to Vienna, and then, but Vicky said, "I'll be back." No, Arnie no. said, "I'll be back." No, no. he came chasing. Okay, Vienna. I came chasing. It was. How bad do you want it, and then go after it? <laughs> and I decided I wanted it, and I went after it. And she was nice enough to say yes, and then she came back to Hong Kong. And then on the marriage side, I always had this thing in my head that I was, as the groom, I supposedly didn't have any responsibility, so I just show up. Well, with her being in Vienna and me being here, I was a lot more involved in the plans of setting up the wedding and uh, which was interesting but uh and so yes yeah, so we she came back and we got married about two three weeks thereabouts after she came back mindy is asking in vienna were you in government housing or private housing i was in government housing um i was given the choice there mindy did i want to live in the city at some embassy-owned apartments, or did I want to live in the country? And after living in the city in Hong Kong, I was ready to live in the country. And so I had a really nice um, place. But looking back now, I wished I'd lived in the city. You can just see a lot more in the city, and I think I'm, I would have enjoyed that a lot. Anyway, but I enjoyed where I was. After Vienna and Venice, you came back. What made you come back to Hong Kong? Me? To get married to, to, to Jay. To, right, but then you stayed. We stayed well, as long as his orders kept him here. Okay. And then he was ready to get out of the Navy, and so we had to leave. And wh when we left was actually, it was July 1st, 1976, and I remember that because it was right before our bicentennial. And there were big celebrations in the States over the bicentennial, and we wanted to be back for that. Okay, and what did, what, did the, what did the American Navy have to do in, in Hong Kong in the 70s? It was, so it was uh, a place for the Navy to do R&R, &R and then there was a contracting office there that a lot of times when the sailors come into port, they really don't know where to go to buy the typical things which people, sailors buy, clothes, stereo gear, jewelry. Cameras. Women. Cameras. Women. No, you have to chase women on your own. <laughs> and so they had places where they could buy these and they had a guaranteed price and a guaranteed known value of the product. And so they came here to get those and then they would then work their way out to find, you know, say other similar type places. And because a lot of times people would buy all these things, there's no place to keep them on board ship. So then they would mail them home, and so that's what I did. I worked for the 
I was worked in the post office, and so they would bring their boxes up to mail them, and so that was a big pack and wrap mail service that we would just mail everything back to the states for them. Okay. And uh, there was a service to the fleet. And there was five. There was seven of us, of which five of us worked in a rotation basis to mail things back to the states. Then we also took everything to the airport, which at that time was Kaitak, and uh, and so we made the daily trips out to the airport, met with the airlines, and uh, then brought whatever mail was there that came in for the ships. Then we'd meet the ships and deliver the mail to them. The uh, going back on the whole the price thing is that to protect the sailors. You say guaranteed prices because there are to guarantee the price and the quality of what they were getting, because I remember a lot of times when you would buy a suit, they'd say it was double stitched instead of single stitched, because a lot of times guys would buy a suit that would look really good, and the first time they'd roll their shoulders, the arms would split, everything else would split, pants would split, and so they have a nice suit, but. You know, you probably wouldn't even get it off the ship because you was bled out and you have to get a reset. Not like the one you have. Oh, yes. Not like that. I, well, not really well. Nikki's been wearing it. Oh, really? Yeah, she's been wearing it for like trade conference oh, uh, good. appearances. But I need to get it dry cleaned. And at some point I'll, oh, I'll, I'll make an appearance on this channel. Cool. <laughs> uh, the, uh, I remember hearing a story about, because TST used to have loads of camera shops. Now not so much. What? And they just have fake uh, chemists. But they would get American tourists, this is why I'm thinking about the price guarantee, and the t American tourists would haggle with them over the price for a camera, or, you know, rolls of film or whatnot. And the American tourist was sort of walking into that exchange with the idea that he was haggling in uh, Hong Kong dollars. I think that it works. Hong Kong dollars sound higher. Yes. But when they haggled and the price was agreed, the owner would say, we're talking U.S. dollars. Ooh, they got and, cheated yeah, by so, seven, eight, eight times. Right, so they would acquiesce to that because they were like, okay. And there was one of the tricks to, to convince tourists to overspend. So Crazy. you're just reminding me about... Also, at that time, the exchange rate was four and a half Hong Kong dollars to one U.S., and now it is, I use the rate 7.75 to 1. And so the exchange rate was what really would, as you said, just confuse people because they're not there with the exchange rate. Mm. Paul was asking in the chat. Did we socialize, right, with yeah. locals? Yeah, were you welcomed by the locals? Did you socialize with the locals? We were welcomed by the locals. Um, didn't socialize a whole bunch. It seemed like we... I socialized with the people that I worked with mostly. Were you sort of then in like an expat bubble like Penguin 6? Yeah, but I tried to break out of that bubble because I wanted to meet the locals. I, re I really wanted to, so I made an effort to make friends with the locals that worked in my office. But in my office, there were just a couple Americans downstairs in a different section of the consulate there were locals that I would, I mean, we'd go to lunch together, go to dinner together, and stuff like that, so. And no, I can't speak Cantonese. We learned, I learned just enough Cantonese to go to the market and to shop. We used to buy a lot of, um, actually, fish and vegetables. 
I could shop. I could tell the taxi driver how to get home um, and stuff. But there's really not the need to speak Cantonese. So I tried a little Even bit. Even back then, there was enough. I think there was almost more English back then than there is now. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. Okay. Because English seemed, is still pretty prevalent here. But it seemed like whenever you would try to speak the local language, they acted like they didn't understand you. Yeah. But they could understand you when you spoke English. Yeah. And so it's like, okay. And so unless you were fluent in the language and you could browbeat them into saying, you know, I understand what, you know, talk to me in, in Cantonese, they just yeah. put up a wall like, I don't see you, I don't hear you. Yeah. <laughs> no, Did you guys ever visit the Kowloon Walled City? No. Okay. We've been to Chunking Mansion, though. Okay. Well, this time? No. Or back then? Back then what was yeah. it like back then? For those that don't know, Chunking oh. Mansions is, is like the most multicultural place in Hong Kong, and there's like loads of apartments that have been converted into hotels. It's multi-story, loads of shops down below, men selling hash if you can, if you want to deal with that stuff. Lots of foreign food, dirty immigrant food. Lots of fake watches. Yeah, fake watches. Um, we have not been there this time. Okay, but what was it like? Okay, well, what was it like in the it was just It was just a seedy, horrible place with a reputation, and that's why I can't believe it's still there. So many well, it's cleaned of, up a bit. Is it? Yeah. Okay, no, it was just one of those places you avoided. Of course, you know, you had to go in and explore. Of course. Of course, you had to go check it out. But. They wanted fun, remember, in Hong Kong. <laughs> uh, they could be lying. We're not even clear on this car thing. No. <laughs> well, also, being here in the, in the Navy, you had to really watch where you went because if you made a mistake you could be gone like that you'd be on the next plane out of here back out to the fleet yeah. and uh, so you really didn't want that to happen so you had to be on his best behavior so you, at all you times. sort of if it didn't sound good you avoided it <laughs> okay yeah. on the safe side but from the military point of view yeah i can understand that mm -hmm. and uh then it was after Vicky came back when Nixon met with the Chinese people that made it available for me as a military member to be able to go to Macau because until that happened we weren't allowed to go to Macau to visit or whatever because it was too close to China and so they but once he went and cleared all the paved the way then then after we were married then we went over and visited Macau Right. Did Nixon actually go to China, by the way? Yes. Okay. Because there's this thing in Star Trek VI where Leonard Nimoy's character, Spock, said only Nixon could go to China. And it's this Vulcan proverb. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, did he actually go to China? Yes. Uh, okay. So we yeah, Kissinger, okay. Kissinger went before. I was working at the consulate when all that happened. It's okay. pretty interesting. He's still alive. I can't believe it. Yep. Yes. He's like, yeah, well, he's, he's old. But he's, you know, we all get old. In there. Yeah, but it's... <laughs> It's yeah, he's proof. still around. Yeah. <laughs> further proof, though, that there is no God because he's alive, Murdoch is alive, but David Bowie's dead. You know, it's that's right. It's not fair, is it? <laughs> <laughs> um, what is the biggest differences between then and now? Says to, uh, Tope. No, Thomas, the bot. Oh, because the bot says Paula. Too, yeah. The biggest difference between then and now, I think, after six weeks, is the people. Hong Kong to me was always a crowded place. We figured when we left here in 75, there were about four and a half million people. 
now there's about seven and a half million people. That's almost doubled. Yeah. That's this, not counting the tourism because China brings well, a lot of yeah, people. Yeah, lots of people. So where do you do? You have limited space. We, we've noticed that they have taken a lot of the streets and made them into more a street for public transport, like for buses or taxis. They've taken those extra lanes and made them extra wide sidewalks. That's really nice. Um, another thing <coughs> excuse me, that I've really noticed a difference in is the way the government seems to be caring for the people. There are a lot more parks, a lot more playgrounds, a lot more what they call sitting out areas, and just little tiny spaces that they turn into a playground. Never used to see that at all. Okay. So that's a good thing. Excuse me. <coughs> but um, and then of course, a lot of the old buildings are still here, but there are so many new ones. There's actually one building in Kowloon that I have seen on that same property three different buildings huh. on one, one piece of property. I think when you were here, Jardine House was the tallest building. It's the, it's the white building that looks like a Game of Connect 4 with circular mm -hmm. windows. Mm -hmm. That used to be the tallest one. Yep. Because that was in Enter the Dragon with yep. a Bruce Lee movie. Well, and you know the building at the top of the peak? Uh, well, the flat top. Is that flat top? Right. That's the third building I have known there, too. Okay. Yep. Any, any other differences, Jay? Well, one of the buildings that they tore down to put something else in was the Furama Hotel used to be down close to the waterfront with a rotating 360-degree restaurant, and uh, they tore it down to put something else up out there. And uh, also that I noticed where the Star Ferry Piers are, where the road used to be able to dry, drop people off right there at the ferries, well, the ferry pier has now moved another half a mile out into the harbor. Yeah. Literally a half a mile out into the harbor. <laughs> You're talking about, Jay's talking about land reclamation because Hong Kong. Lots and There's lots, lots of land. And uh, there's also, um, uh, I can't think of that one, island. Stonecutter's Island. Stonecutter's Island. Stonecutter's Island used to be an independent island that the British had for their communication station. And the only way you could get there was by boat. You had to be invited out there. It is now connected to the land on the other side. And they have big bridge going across using it as a stepping stone for the big bridges that are now mm -hmm. over on yeah. the other side. Well, that's probably a huge difference, too. When I got here, I was met with the gal I was going to be working with at Kai Tak Airport. Took a uh, car to the Jordan Road Ferry, and we took the vehicular ferry. There were no tunnels. Yeah. No cross harbor tunnels. If you don't know, Hong Kong Island is is, is attached to three underwater tunnels, and you have to get a ferry, like you're saying. Yep. One of them, the first one, was built while we were here. Right. There was no MTR. That was built while we were here too. So. You mean no uh, MTR at all? Correct. Wow. Okay. I just remember Nathan Road especially being dug up the whole first kilometer or so, just being all dug up. Okay. Yep. And uh, also the minibuses are a lot more regulated 
now. They have assigned routes that they go and they're where before you would get on a minibus and all you had to do was point where you wanted to get off at and he would just make a, a turn and go whip to the curb and drop you off and then off he'd go and it didn't make any difference what was behind him it and was you just feel safe if you made it safe uh, yes and if you arrived at your destination you felt safe did you have red top and green top minibuses yes still yes. okay they're the same minibuses now uh, the, they look they, just as old. Yeah. They look just so beat up. <laughs> the, the problem with the red ones is that you need money. <clears throat> they don't offer octopus. Oh, we and, have their, and their routes are closer to what you're talking about, where they can like deviate, mm -hmm. whereas the green ones have a specified course and they have bus stops. We've octopus. stayed off of them. Yeah, we I have not ridden a minibus this trip. They're, the other means of transportation are a lot more efficient and it's enough fun as it is riding a double-decker bus going from here over the mountain to anywhere you want to go and it is to uh, do a minibus. We've also, we've been here six weeks and haven't been on a taxi yet. Oh. Okay. Isn't that good? Yeah, very good. Uh, yeah. Yes, Mindy remembers that they're called death buses. She is yeah. so right. Yes. That's why she we've avoided them. The yeah. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> no. One road I have not been on that I want to go on, and the only way up there is on a minibus. What's the road? Magazine Gap Road. Used to have a couple friends that lived there. You go up Cotton Tree Drive, and then it curves over, and that's one way to it meets Stubbs Road and the Peak Road. Oh, you don't need to tell me. <laughs> <laughs> no, I want to go know up more there. than me about these roads. I never, I never. Uh, I want to go up there. Pay attention. <sighs> Maybe today, but it's a minibus ride. Yeah, this is. I forgot to say, this is uh, Vicky and Jay's penultimate day here. Tomorrow they're going back to Texas, so this is their last day, and we've arranged this little chat. Yep, yep. And what are you going to do in your last day besides traveling up a, an English-sounding collection of streets? I don't know. I want to go on the Star Ferry again. Okay. I can't do that enough. Has that changed at all? It's just the ride is half the ride it used to yeah. be. But the boats is basically the same? Same yes. boats. Yeah. Same ones. Same sailors. <laughs> but maybe. Not, they are pretty old. No, it's their children now. It's right. another generation. <laughs> I saw a placard on one of the Star Ferries that said it was the keel was laid in 1958. Same so ones. it is the same, same craft. They've just been well maintained. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, it's only a short journey, isn't it? You got to just get maintained every day. It's about six six minutes. Yeah, so they can't get that much wear and tear out of them, I suppose. Yeah. Well, because it used to be ten minutes. So here, <laughs> here you've extended the life yeah, of your you vehicle. Had, you had the vehicle. You had the ships that would carry the, the cars. Yes. As well, so I guess. Yep. Yeah, this just mainly passenger, and uh, yeah, it's it's really amazing the. We're happy that they're still here, and we still like the tram. We like riding the we tram from ride on the tram. one end to the other, and it's uh, really, really fun to watch. I mean, a lot of fun to ride, just to get up on the top and to just the whole experience of, of riding on the tram. It's just... Okay. The tram runs from the west side of Hong Kong Island all the way to the, well, nearly all the way to the east side of the island. Uh, Dad with cats says, what part of Texas are you living in? We lived for 24 years in Grapevine, which is, <clears throat> excuse me, near Fort Worth in Dallas. But we moved in December last year to East Texas, 
a little place called Holly Lake Ranch for our retirement. Okay. It's a rural community, lakes, golf course, land, trees, beautiful. Okay. So we're in East And Texas. at night the sky is black and not a light anywhere to be seen except the stars. Yep. Lots of oh, stars. Oh, that's nice because you can't see that in cities. Lots of stars mm -hmm. and... I'm thinking of going on a trip to Japan at some point, and there's an island where you can just stare at the stars and feel connected to the Milky Way, mm. whereas you can't do it because of yeah. the light pollution here. Do you know we lived in Japan too? No. Uh, please continue flexing. <laughs> After Hong Kong, Jay went to university for a couple of years and um, never took any time off, got burned out. The Navy looked to get again, so he joined the Navy. <coughs> and we were... At that time, anyway, we started our family. We have three children, and we ended up serving in San Diego and Long Beach, Indianapolis, a little island in the Aleutians called Adak, which is right between Anchorage and Vladivostok, a little tiny island. We were there for three years. And then our last duty station was in Yokosuka, Japan, which is on Yokohama Bay. We were there for almost five years. Why did you uh, move to Japan? Because that's where the Navy sent us. Just, okay. Yeah. So we were almost five years in Japan. We actually lived there longer than we lived in Hong Kong. But my heart is in Hong Kong, it's not Japan. Okay. My heart, I've said this to Ray and I probably said it on the scope, but if I moved to Japan, I would pick up the language. I would start learning it on the flight to Japan because I love Japanese, the culture. And I have studied the language, but in Hong Kong, I don't. I had the to. opportunity to learn the language at work. If I gave an hour of my lunch break, they would give an hour of, of schooling. I worked in a department where there were, I think, four Americans and about 20 Japanese. And they said, Vicky-san, don't. Learn, help us learn English. So I really felt like they really wanted, and so we, I worked with them to help them with their English. Well, they're at so. a disadvantage, aren't they? Because they don't have the same history as Hong Kong. English right. is better here right. than it is in Japan. Yeah, so that's where I, I learned how to read all their names in Japanese so that I could walk my neighborhood and read everybody's name on their post box. So. <laughs> uh, Jay Marin, or L Marin, says, hi, Mom and Dad. That's Leslie, our daughter. <laughs> hi, Leslie. Hi, Leslie. And uh, Mindy says, I'm familiar with Ada, worked salmon canaries. Canaries. Oh, yeah, it's ADAC. She's probably... Oh, ADAC, okay. ADAC. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, fishing there. My favorite is halibut fishing. I only could do it once, but caught a huge halibut that we put in our freezer and enjoyed that for a long time. <laughs> Yay, Mindy. It's ADAC is gorgeous. It is beautiful. You said that you like Hong Kong better than Japan. Is that why you've come here for six weeks? I think so. I, I'm realizing I, I was 22 years old when I got here. I was 27 when I left. And I don't know, it was that time of life when I was young. I had a job that I loved. I earned money. I met the love of my life. I just had these experiences. The culture was so different. Um, I just felt I needed to come back. I, I mean, when we were in Japan, I came back for six years in a row here. But what I told Jay is, you know what, we're not getting younger, 
um, let's make time to do this now. And so when I was online making the reservations, I thought, I want to stay a month. So I put in my start date, and then I start looking, and then I did the close, and then I realized, oh, it's six weeks. But I said, what I want to do is I want to stay here long enough to where I can say, I'm ready to go home. I'm tired of the people. I miss home, mm, you know. I think I can say I'm ready to go home. But I do want to come back. Oh. <laughs> I will always want to come back. Always. It's just there. And I know people say it's crowded, it's dirty, it's noisy. And the answer is yes, but it's fabulous. Okay. It's just the best. The city has a, an identity that no place else has. Yeah. And yes, I met Vicki here, and so it holds a special place for that reason. And my dad was in the Navy. I've traveled in the Navy. And when we lived in Japan, we were there for four and a half years. That was the longest that I'd ever lived in one place in my entire life. And so for me, traveling around was sort of a common thing to do. But to me, when I came here, Hong Kong was exciting. It was just fun to be. I was out on my own. And again, I had, I had my car. I was where I wanted to be. I met, again, the love of my life. As, and so we had fun here. I had fun here before we got married, after we got married. And it's just been fun. It's always... Are we ready to go uh, home? Yes, we're yes. ready to go home. But we, we could also, after a period of time back, we could <laughs> come back. I don't know if it would be a six-week visit the next time, but we could come back like for a couple of weeks, you know, just to see... But uh, and and to see you, <laughs> yeah. But uh, stay but at your B and B rather than this dump. Well, <laughs> <laughs> just I mean, I knew this place by car more than Vicky knew by public transportation, and Shenzhen was a little village on the other side of the border. It, there was nothing there, and so I could drive out to the new territories, and I did that one Fourth of July just. It's a you know, dumb America, and I could look across, and all I saw was green mountains across on the other side of the border. There wasn't a building inside any place. Now what? There's 10 million And, and now there. you can't go anywhere without yeah. seeing a building, you know, someplace. And, uh, and I'm always amazed at the buildings, and, and the, I realize the population is larger, but you go places... And even in new places where they put, if you don't have a building at a minimum of 25, pushing 40 stories yeah, tall, you know, it's a waste of time to build it because that's what's there. Paula asked about our kids. Did they spend time growing up here? Well, we were married here. We didn't have kids till way after we left. But when we lived in Japan, I was able to bring my three kids over for a 10-day Christmas vacation. Christmas break. Jay was deployed at that time, but a friend and I brought our kids over, so they've been here to see it. They know why their mom and dad love it here. I mean, we, we said, this is where we got married. Here's our first apartment. This is where we used to work and all of that. So yeah, Hong Kong's part of their lives too. Okay. The uh, You said you were driving on the 4th of July out into the New Territories. What made you do that on that particular day? I, I did. It was a day off. I didn't uh -huh. have to be at work, and uh, I was familiar with the roads from driving out through the new territories, 
because that's where I used to take my hot rod out there to uh, blow the carbon out. Ha ha. But it was just to drive out there because I love to drive. I love to explore different places when out there and I had no fear of driving out in those areas just full tank of gas and I'm ready to go and it was just I just wanted to just drive out there just to see it and to just to do it this happened to be on the 4th of July I had no and had it the probably day wasn't a weekend because you don't want to go anywhere here on the weekends, right? No, that's true. It was, it was not on a weekend. Yeah, that's 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 probably. Why. <laughs> but there was no, there was no uh, shrines or anything out there where I was at, so I didn't have to fight, you know, traffic. It just was very green. light. It was just country green roads. country roads, and like I said there was nothing there. Speaking to you both, and I guess I'm trying to remember when I spoke to other Americans, but. When, 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 and this is just an observation, just speaking to you now. But when, when you describe things, you always sort of um, locate these things with, with like Fourth of July, Nixon, Kennedy. It's always something that that always in interested me, and you've just brought it back to me. That everything's anchored around these specific points. Feels well, like presidents and public well, holidays. It's it's a way to locate time, time to sort because otherwise. Well, I went out there on this day. Well, when? What? It was. It yeah, was. It was in this. Is 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 sort of like universal. If anybody was alive during Nixon and Kennedy and obviously the Fourth of July, you framed it as a universal sort of anchor to that point in time. Whereas I might say just the year. I'll be really boring and say the year, and it's specific to me. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. it's just it's. I find it easier to. Well, it's like whenever I would go, we would go on a cruise on board ship. It's like, okay, we're going to be gone for six, seven months. So you would, to break up the boredom of being gone for that long, you would count it. Port visits, okay, the first place we're going to stop from the west coast of the United States is Hawaii. Mm. And then at that time, Subic Bay in the Philippines was our, basically our home port away from home. So then it'd be like, what military exercise are we doing? Home of port visit in Japan, port visit in Singapore, another military exercise, go uh, Mombasa, Kenya, visit there. Just And so it's just easier to pinpoint, you know, so you break it up so yeah, yeah. It, it's easier to get through to, till what, especially like a cruise, like six, seven months till you like, and then the last month, they're like, oh, we're getting ready to go home. So, like, okay, nobody screw up, have a bad accident. And so, you, it's almost like superstition. You don't do anything to mess things up before you go back home. Sure. No, but that, that, mentioning the presidents is like, they're part of your story. Whereas if it's I say part something of the about, timeline, I yeah, think. Yeah, but if I say something about, let's say, Tony Blair, it's because I don't like him as a person. I want to talk about him as the main subject. He's mm -hmm. not part of the... the the uh, the exposition that you know the, the way you're describing these events that are important to you. Yeah, it's just an observation. I'm, I'm just interesting. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I I get you. Yeah. Where, where did you stay by the way? Well, sorry. What did you do in the six weeks here? We haven't actually talked about that. What did you see? What did you want to see? What we did, we spent a lot more <laughs> of our time on the island than we did on Kowloon side, and I think that's because this is where we lived, and this is where. Um, 
we spent most of our time. Um, one thing I wasn't so sure about, we went up on IICC and we went to the 100th floor observation. That's nice. Have you been open. there? Yes. It's closed a couple of years ago. No, it's yeah, open. Yeah, it's open now. Yeah. It's open. The ICC is the tallest building of Hong Kong Island. Yeah, that was interesting. We, we were there when there were not very many people, too. And it was good. And it's all enclosed, so it wasn't, and the views are spectacular. Um, we, we've been to lots of communities in the new territories, and we've always found a way to take the bus there. We love Google Maps, because it always wants us to find the fastest way, and we go, nope, bus, because we figure if we're on the bus, we can ride up on the top deck, and we're here to observe. We're here to just see. Um, and we see a lot more on the bus. I told Jay often, I wish we had our 1975 eyes to where you could look and see, oh yeah. Because like in um, Fanling, we went through there on the bus last week. I remember two lane street, a couple roundabouts, a golf course. There's 40, 50 story towers everywhere. I remember eucalyptus mm -hmm. down the middle of the road. It's still there. Oh, okay. eucalyptus trees still there, right. but everything else is different. So I used to live out there also. Really? Yeah, in, in uh, Shengshui. When you were a baby, right? Yeah, yeah we went to Shengshui. We went there. Okay. Because it it was sort of the farthest destination we could get to on the bus, right. and we would just ride to the end of the line, get off, walk around, explore, check things out, and get back on and ride back. So if, if you wanted to go further, you could take a bus to Shatao Kok, and then the police would kick you off. No thanks. <laughs> That's not no. the adventure we're seeking. Because <laughs> the last stop you can't get in unless you've got a permit, oh. a police permit. So they'll just ask you to get off because they check everyone's uh, really, their permits. permits yeah. yeah, it's unprotected. It's on the border in the, yeah. in the something zone. I can't yeah. We've been uh, like the DMZ, but the wrong country. Kind of, yeah. <laughs> okay, I've been there too. That was interesting. Um, we've been to the peak several times. I love the view from the peak, but more than that, I love the bus ride up and back from the peak. I love that. Sitting up on the front of that number 15 bus and just going through all those turns, it's just fun. Just, <laughs> just to observe, we've been to Stanley a couple times. We've been to Sheko. That was a great trip out to there. Um, Sheko is a beach? Yes, yes. a beach. Yeah. We have wanted to visit the Coastal Defense Museum. It's Shaokiwan and just a walk right across from Lei Moon. It looks great. It's closed though because of Mankut. Did a lot of damage. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. Okay. And they're getting ready for some new stuff, so we, we can't go there. For their 20th anniversary. Of the museum. Of the museum. That sounds like a really interesting place, but it's been closed, so we haven't been there. Mm -hmm. Is it, do the British roads sort of in, I guess you don't have those roads in Texas and in California, but is it part of the charm, the British roads, the way we like to snake our roads around mountains? And yeah, it's it's sort of fun because when I went to London, it's like, oh, this is just like Hong Kong. Yeah. And it's like, well, wait a minute, London was there first, but I my Hong Kong experience was before my London experiences have been. But I, I love the snaky roads and... It's it's a lot of practical though. Just stay close to the mountain. So someone's asking in the chat, did you buy any souvenirs? <laughs> Paula's asking. No. <laughs> this is the. Uh, I bought I bought a Christmas tree ornament. Oh okay. <laughs> <laughs> I 
Yeah. No, we haven't. We you went we, to the night market. You we went, went to, to the night market. Yeah. I. Nothing jumped out at us and said, "We got to have it." Mm. No, that's got to have changed since the 70s. Yeah, it was just, just shopping to is different. Yeah, and just to go through, it's okay. It's yeah. still here. We hope it keeps going, but there was nothing there that said we got to have it. Okay, I haven't felt the need to spend. And re Paula's asking; she's reframing the question: Did you buy souvenirs back? Keep them as mementos, I guess. Keep them as keepsakes. Oh, in our in our Texas. earlier days, we bought furniture. We had furniture made. Down in Central, we have rosewood uh, furniture that's lovely in our home to this day. And we have a Chinese screen and a lot of things, but nothing, nothing. I wouldn't mind having a nice ring from this trip, but haven't been looking for one, so. Okay. So. Uh, we've only got like about eight minutes left. So if you've got any specific questions about Hong Kong, ask them. Uh, but I do want to talk a little bit about Periscope um, because you've been watching for nearly, well, three and a half years. Periscope came out in March 2015. You downloaded it when? I don't know, but my son said, hey, mom, I think there's something you'd like. Oh. I know you love to travel. Why don't you try this? So I did, and um, the first person I found scoping from Hong Kong was, who's the guy that does all the riots and the protests? Hong Kong Hermit. Hong Kong Hermit. Did, I found yeah. him. And then I thought, oh, that's not what I want to see. I don't, <laughs> I don't want to see the protests in Hong Kong. He's not very engaging either. He doesn't oh, no. answer questions. No, but I don't ask a lot of questions. I, I like to look. And so I found you, but your language was a bit offensive for me. <laughs> and so I stopped following you for a while. And then I thought, wait a minute. I love his humor. So who cares about his language? I was, I was much more rough. And, and you were rather rough. It yeah. was hard for my little tender ears. But <laughs> but it was that mix of your humor and that. And I found Penguin 6. And I really could relate to him because he lived rather close to where uh -huh. I used to live. He used to walk the same streets that I used to walk because I take a lunch break every day and go down to Central. And so I felt like he and I went a lot of the same places. Okay. It's a shame yeah. that he's not here and you could meet Penguin 6. I did ask him for restaurant uh, recommendations. And he said the, he, the one, in, the Raymond's, with the Raymond noodles? Yeah. We've, Shimsaki, we've done okay. that and he's named a couple other name. places. Yeah. Okay. Yep. And, and thoughts on Periscope itself? I mean, obviously you enjoy it. It's good to see the world. You watch Japan on Periscope? Not really. I says a lot. I've watched Dave in Osaka a little bit, but... but he's too polite. No. The opposite of me. <laughs> I don't know. I just, I figure there's lots more to do in my life. I love to sew and quilt. I, right. I spend a lot of time at my sewing machine and I've got my iPad sitting there so I can, I, I watch them. So I can't just sit and watch. I'm always doing something or in my kitchen. Right. Cooking. Or so who do you watch on Periscope? Who did you watch on Periscope in the beginning? And Just you and Penguin Six, really. Right. And John Ho and uh, Raven. I've watched, right, John Ho and Raven. Raven's in and out and in and out and mostly out and a little too dramatic for me. Okay. So you <laughs> haven't really, I mean, you don't, if you've not, what, if you've not, you've been very specific then in your use of Periscope, mm -hmm. just basically Hong Kong and a little bit of Asia. Hong Kong. Right, so you skipped basically all the sunset scopes, yoga scopes. 
uh, Alex t Alex Pettit scopes. <laughs> Alex Khan. You don't. You never saw any of that. Nope. Wow. Okay. So different. And I have lived well. Clearly, <laughs> 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 you got by without, without Alex, meeting Alex Pettit. And, and the tips. drama. I love to follow the drama, though. So I've been following the people that are blocked and all that stuff. So that's sort of okay. What do you remember? Do you remember a certain Texan that I was arguing with? I argued with. I'm not going to name drop. I want to see if you can remember. So I don't really want to talk about it too much. Do you remember a Texan? I have to say I don't. It was the whole chill your beans episode. I don't. You don't remember that. It's always interesting to like meet a viewer. They you get to see what you get to understand what they've watched, but you might not have tuned in for that particular scope. And I assume yeah. that when I see these bubbles, the bubbles are all have always been there. For that, for all the time of the scopes that I've done. You well, know, I always watch replay too, though. Right. So, so uh, somehow you've skipped the one where. Yeah, I don't remember I, that. I remember all your post box scopes. I remember visiting where you lived as a baby. Um, all of those, but I don't remember the Texans. Because <laughs> I shared a scope with everyone on Periscope that I wasn't supposed to share and I shared it with Jeff I was supposed to share it with Jeff, Jeff, just with Jeff Goldberg and she was a Patreon it's that one. <laughs> oh, okay <laughs> yeah you do remember yeah that? I do remember that okay yeah <laughs> okay anything else you want to share about Periscope like no any thoughts on it as a viewer because you've been here for the changes I guess uh -huh. for a lot of it because in the beginning it was really janky really basic as a piece of software and now it's now it's like really it's becoming more fleshed out, but there are far fewer people using Periscope. Yeah, that's that's what's disappointing. I think far fewer. I I tend to watch Periscope in the background rather than engaging a lot. You know, I don't make a lot of comments. Don't yeah. have a lot to say. I just sort of like to listen and go. Mm, okay, that's it. So, what does Jay think of Perry? Asks Mindy. I follow. I usually don't. I follow whenever Vicky's watching. Then I watch whatever she has on. I don't. Um, I think when Vicky first started following doing Periscope, I worked for the post office, but I work nights, so my day and hers were completely flipped. And so, I would see a little bit, you know, in the morning, and then I'd be asleep. And then I'd get up and go to work. You'd go to work right when Jonathan would come on, generally. Right, right when you'd come on. And I'd start swearing, basically. Well, and, and then so, you know, I'm either in bed sleeping or getting ready to go to work. And so I'd catch a replay. But uh, Periscope, just the whole idea fascinates me that you can yeah. do a live video on your phone. Half your yeah. phone on your phone. Mobile. Half, <laughs> halfway around the world and find out what current events are where before you know, even five years ago you, you couldn't yeah. you couldn't do that. It was Love it. I say that a lot, like I wish this was around during the, the protests that happened yes, in two thousand fourteen. Yes. But imagine if this was around in the nineteen seventies. You know, someone probably fifty years from now is gonna say, Oh thank God we have Periscope. <laughs> it's a stretch, yeah. but thank God for live streaming, and we started this in you know the the twenty twenties say, and they're looking back on fifty years of live streaming, and they can yeah. say, oh, I'm glad I saw that, but we can't 
we can't say the same for Hong Kong. We've only got your memories, your well, testimony, and some archival footage. Well, and then when you asked about what's changed, I'm going, hmm. Well, then our son has a whole, my, my dad came over here to visit when we were here, and he's a photographer, took lots of great black and white photos, and he sort of laid them out and collaged them and sent them, and it's like, it has changed. When I saw those pictures that my dad took when he was here in 73, wow, then I realized, because, you know, I've been back a lot and watching these changes, but the stark difference between then and now is just amazing. It was like it was the 1930s, but anyway. We we had fun finding uh, just up. I think uh, found uh, this house called the Blue House, which was just a little bit up off of Hennessy Road, and just seeing the uh, the old style buildings and and that. And um, then we found a park that was right across from where she used to live. The Hong Kong Garden Park, I think, is the name of it. Hong Kong Park and the beautiful area that they've turned that into, but they've kept the house called the Flagstaff House that is now mm -hmm. a tea, 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 museum. Muse tea museum, but that that's where the former head of all British military used to live and how close it was at that time to the waterfront yep. and then the barracks. And I like that some of the old buildings are still around, like the Western Market mm -hmm. and uh, the old post office. That one, when they've they've, they've kept buildings um, that uh, for heritage purposes, and they've refurbished them, and then to uh, to do them. There's one building that we have a close affinity for is Gumtung Hall, which is now the Sun Yat-sen Museum. That's and, where uh, we were married. That's where oh. we were married at. And so it's it's really nice that they went through and did, we watched a video on how they did the restoration of the building, which is very interesting. And, uh, and so the different buildings like that that they've kept, that they decided, okay, we just don't want to wipe the slate clean. Yeah, at least there and are then, some. Then do something before, you know. And I know my son asked, this is on buildings, how close are the buildings? I said, well, they're right next to each other. They help each other stand up. <laughs> and uh, then we happened to be up on Robinson Road and uh, heard the steam pile driver just pounded new piers into the ground on the side of this hill, getting ready to put some 20 plus story apartment building there when they finally get to it. But all the construction around here, when we were out in the new territories, wherever, just the new construction that's everywhere. It doesn't and stop. If, and if you're in a construction trade, you have a lifelong, yeah. lifelong job. It's almost like the old days building a cathedral. If you're on the cathedral building stuff, you know you <laughs> had a lifetime job. Here, if you have a life, if you're in a construction trade, you got to trade for life because it's Things are always going up, tearing down, going up. Because they keep building more land, yeah. too. <laughs> they well, keep more <laughs> land. <laughs> anyway, it's been great. A dream come true to be able to be here, spend uh, so much time. Okay, good. It has Thank been. I'm glad you could share it with us. Thank, Thank you for you. taking the time. Thank you. Uh, with this. Love you it. be the subject of my scope instead of a viewer. No, I'll, I'll be you next time. <laughs> Unless I'm on the airplane. So. 
Sure. If you archive this, we'll watch it. <laughs> yeah, cool. Yeah, we will. Well, it's going to be. This is going to be a podcast, and cool. but I don't think I can get it for the YouTube channel. But this is definitely coming out as a podcast, and you can listen cool. to it if some of you haven't um, wanted to stay for the hour plus that we've been talking. So you can find the podcast on iTunes or RSS on my website, JonathanJK.com, and it's called Hello from Hong Kong. And I'll try and put that up before the end of this month. Uh, again, thank you for your time. Glad to do it. Yeah, come visit, I'm y'all. With you. If, you, if you have any opportunity, come visit. You don't need to stay six weeks, but there's a lot to do here, a lot to see. Mm. Shameless okay. plug. Right? <laughs>